Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sesploitation Conflagration. Here are your two amazing hosts, Nate Bradford and Stephen Ronquillo. Guys, take it away! Hey, Nate, you know what's funny? Most people, if they heard that, they were thinking, why the fuck did they rip off a song from your local news? (laughs) And they don't even realize where it comes from. Well, unless you've seen the long Romero cut, you wouldn't know where it comes from. Right? But, yeah, it's about four hours before Halloween months, and it's just going to be on this year. Hell, Kino Lorber announced today, Nate, they're starting a cult-only streaming channel called Kino Cult. And it's free for now. It's free. You're like, real cool. Yeah, right? (laughs) Uh, I've been... uh... I've been talking to Abby about this lately because we have so many streaming services, but you know, they're all just general streaming services. The only one that we have that's just like a niche streaming service that is particularly for me is Shudder. The other ones are all just like, you know, Apple Plus and Hulu and Netflix and, you know, Amazon yeah. Prime and You're really you know missing all, all out that with Arrow yeah. because it's a niche, mm. but the niche is mm-hmm. shit that Arrow put out. So you get everything yeah. from uh, like Melvin Van Peebles' How to Eat Your White wa- Watermelon and White Company, to horror, to Japanese action, to the Yakuza papers and the new Yakuza papers, uh, the H.G. Lewis box set, uh, and things like that. Yeah, right? That's that's good stuff for sure. Uh, I don't know. Usually when we pick up a new streaming service, we dump one of our old ones because we've just like, you know, we've torn through it and seen everything that's well, on there. You I know, a lot of shutter you know. because uh, whenever they I'm doing it for Joe Bob. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm keeping shutter. I'm keeping Shutter because I really like that creep show TV, the TV show, and, and you know, I try watching don't... it, and it, man, it just seems like I... we talked. We didn't talk about this much going back to anthology format has really lost its punch nowadays. Yeah, well, that's why, you know, that's why I I like Creepshow. I feel like it has some of that same magic as some of the older, uh, you know, some of the older anthology shows. And uh, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, any anthology TV show is going to have strong episodes and weak episodes. Like, I feel the same way about Black Mirror, you know, like I enjoy it. But there are episodes of it that, you know, but there are episodes of it that I'm just like, meh, you know. The only show that I can remember, like I, we talked about, the without any clunkers is the 80s Twilight Zone. And that's because it was only one season and they short-ordered it. Yeah. And 
And uh, much like Masters of Horror, they had a bunch of really good writers and directors in there that, you know, and again, Hooper. Masters, yes, you know, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Toby Hooper directed the best, the best episode of the 80s Twilight Zone of all time. Like my yeah. favorite, absolute favorite, the, the Shadow wanted, Man. Yeah, yeah, but I wanted to punch him in the mouth for every episode that he did on Masters of Horror. Yeah, I didn't care for his contributions to Masters of Horror either, and I I felt bad about it because I really do like Toby Hooper a lot, and uh, for the most part, he's I mean he's when made he some really bad shit. movies too. He has said it himself. Yeah. Towards the end, all he gave a shit was uh, being on a movie set and working on a movie. You've known comedians like that, you know. They don't give a shit if they're funny or not. All they give a shit about is just getting up on stage and doing their 10 minutes. Yeah, well, we talked about this uh, last week or the week before when we were talking about comedians uh, in the wake of Norm MacDonald passing away and, you know, like that last Bill Hicks special. The last Bill Hicks special, the first thing he says when he comes out on stage is, bear with me while I plow through this shit one more time. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, he he was happy to be on stage, but he was bored with the material and, you know, probably knew at that point that he had cancer. He didn't say anything about it. Yeah, then, but he, he probably knew. Yeah, that yeah. was after he knew that he had cancer. Yeah. So. Well, but... but it is close. Oh, no, uh, they announced uh, Criterion this week, and they have women women on film, and they have all sorts of classy directors. And I looked, I'm like, what? Criterion to me has finally gone over the fucking rainbow. They have a fucking Doris Wishman collection. <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about that the other day, you and I, uh, you know, messaging back and forth and talking about it. And like I said, I have most of those movies on something weird video, but yeah. of course, Criterion, well, you know, Criterion yeah. always brings the always brings the heat when they put out a movie on, you know, when they put out a movie. There's only one yeah. of them I'm like, what, really, I'm like, what the fuck were you thinking? And that would be <laughs> Let Me Die a Woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't they're know. doing the All usual. Uh, it seems like almost on every horror streaming channel, the universal horror films are popping up. Yeah. Well. I don't know. I don't, I don't have much interest in those anymore. I mean... You know, Bride of Frankenstein is probably the only one that I still have much interest in. The rest uh, the of them, black, I'm kind of like, yeah. yeah. To me, yeah. the ones that, the three that I love the most, well, four are Bride of Frankenstein, Spanish Dracula, Dracula's Daughter, and The Black Cat. Yeah. That's yeah. that very kinky yeah. one based on Anton LaVey. Yeah. You don't know surprise uh, yeah. until you're watching a 30s universal horror film and you see 
Boris Karloff throwing knives at a cat. <laughs> and then at the end of yeah. the movie, skin Bor- uh, uh, Bella Lugosi skins Boris Karloff alive. Yep. And they don't uh, budge about yeah. it either, do they? <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope. It, it, that was pretty radical for its time. It, it, it falls in that same category as uh, films from that general era, like Eyes Without a Face. And uh, or th- that was later, a little later, but, you know, like Eyes Without a Face and uh, Cat People, you know, the they definitely, yeah. uh, and, and like, like Freaks, Todd Browning's Freaks, you know, uh, those were all definitely oh, ahead of their There's time. There's so many dirty jokes and Freaks. That if you're a kid, it just flies over your head. Like, uh, it's the first American made movie with fuck, shit, motherfucker, and goddamn in it. Because no one at MGM knew German. (laughs) And when, remember that scene where Hans is yelling at him in German and there's like no subtitles? Yep. Goddamn motherfucking shit ass cocksuckers fucking (laughs) (laughs) As soon as I heard Scheiser I'm like what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the only German swear word I knew when I was when I first saw uh when I first saw freaks, but I knew that I knew he was swearing. I just didn't know what he was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and of so course, d- uh, the band Universal film, which is uh, Island of Lost Souls. Yep. Yeah, that's in that's in the box set, or they're just releasing it separately. Criterion just, uh, put it out. Yeah. Yeah. They're putting out the Incredible Shrinking Man, and there's some good. And that one's a good one too, but that one's more sci-fi than horror. Yep. I have a, I have a really old copy of The Incredible Shrinking Man on on VHS that uh I think I stole from the video store that I worked at when I was in college. But I yeah, don't blame it's, you. It's that tape thing. was always that tape that you stole is probably the only edition that I remember ever coming out on VHS. They never had a sell-through yep. copy of The Incredible Shrinking Man. Right? Yeah, when I worked at the video store, I stole a lot of movies. I didn't steal them right off the shelf. Whenever my boss told us to harvest the movies and sell the oldest flicks, you know, on a table out front, I would always pick through and take the ones that Jerry I wanted. I think stealing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't pay for him, even though he was charging like five bucks a piece for him. I just took him, but so technically yeah, I did steal but, him, but you know. Yeah, but, you but know, with the shit money that he was paying you, it evens out. It's like karma. And not only that, we're talking about movies that we rented for $2 a piece. And when he was like, take the oldest movies and put them out uh, to sell them, you know, we're talking about 
sometimes movies that have been on the shelf for 10 years and he has been renting them for $2 a piece for 10 years. He made his money back on them already. So, yeah, <laughs> they, you know, we should just be giving them away for free. They should just be a, on a table out front. You know. has another uh, Joe Bob double feature. I don't know what it is. No, he got, I haven't he seen anything about he, it. It, well, it's on the 12th, I think, the second Friday of the month, and they he always keeps the movie secret until he shows them. Yeah. But some of those Shutter double features that he's done, he's he's dredged up movies that haven't seen the light of day for a long, long time. Oh, you, you mean know, like, like Sledgehammer and Things uh, <clears throat> God... That's the yeah. only one I couldn't make it through. It was like, you show audition, I watched that. Train for Busan, I'm crying, but I watched that. Oh, <laughs> things? Fuck yes! <laughs> things yeah. is a rite of torture. If you truly hate someone... You get them a copy of things on DVD and say, this is a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, it comes from that same era as a lot of other, uh, like, shot on video weirdo DVD, flicks. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, well, I got the best set. And you think you do to the basement. That comes with uh, video, the attic, video violence one and two, and those yep. two are good. Uh, Black Devil Doll from Hell. That yep. shit those guys from Oklahoma made. I Blood Cult might have been a good movie if they would have known two words. <laughs> yeah, what's Lighting that? <laughs> package. <laughs> How well, many movies you have know. you seen Low budget and no budget That are ruined because They don't have a lighting Package Yeah it's Well it's one of the things that You know Like amateur filmmakers Sacrifice the most because You know it's just not in the budget But still you know, you can find creative ways around it. Um, yeah. You, you, you must yeah. you must know, you know, you must know when you're watching your dailies and you can't see jack shit that you probably need to do. At least turn some lamps on around the house yeah. or something, you know. Like. And don't forget <laughs> the worst one of all. And it was a big budget movie. Aliens versus Predator. Requiem, or as I call it, Aliens versus Predator. I cranked the motherfucking brightness up to 200, and I still mm-hmm. couldn't see shit. Are you sure it wasn't called Aliens versus Predator Rectum? Like it was filmed up someone's ass? And that's why you couldn't see it? No, they would be more light if it was up somebody's ass than that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you you have halfway seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. No, you haven't. Uh, it's too dark to see. You've heard it. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, I enough. wish I were joking, <laughs> but it's just damn. Yeah. Why can't I? Uh, it's yeah. like huh. I've I seen pictures before it came out. The pred alien looked cool. Uh, the the nursery kill scene looked cool. But for some reason, yeah. Fox decided to crank up the darkness to 25. Well, you know, the fact of the matter is, the end product, they might have decided that there wasn't anything special about their effects. So they, uh, you know, darkened it up. I mean, you know, that's not an uncommon practice for films in either direction. You know, it's uh, famously been... Uh, told by Martin Scorsese numerous times that, you know, he submitted Taxi Driver and they gave him an X rating because it was too bloody. So he just took it back to the lab, just changed the tint so that the blood wasn't as dark red and took the exact same cut of the movie back and they gave him an R, you know, I mean. And all the reviews said that it was too realistic looking. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And the blood was damn near orange. <laughs> right. And the same thing oh. with like uh, Robert Robert Rodriguez, when he tr- took Planet Terror to the MPAA, they told him it was too violent. And he cut out, I think, like one second of film just using that scratchy film stock style that yeah. he and Tarantino used, you know, to just well, scrap out. Tarantino didn't use it. That has to be the only thing that I would give as a complaint about Death Proof. Uh, Planet Terror looked like a, a destroyed, fucked up print. Yeah. It Death even Proof has the didn't. part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Death Proof has the one part where the film is saturated when they're in the uh, when they're in the elevator there, the the side of the film turns red like it's saturated, but yeah, it's not all scraps and pops like uh, like uh, like Planet Terror. And Planet Terror also has that great part where just before the big action sequence at the end with Bruce Willis, it's like real missing, <laughs> and then yeah, it just cuts and back in. Yeah, back and shit hit the fan. He's told <laughs> <Yeah>. who he <laughs> is. All the important information's been said. <laughs> right. <laughs> that Don't give him brilliant. the gun. Give him the gun. <laughs> give him all. Yeah, the that, gun. that was pretty brilliant. But yeah. <laughs> but that's a you know. But yeah, I mean, well, since we're talking about movies too dark, what's your favorite horror film that take place during daylight? That. Oh, there's almost no darkness in it. It's like all during daylight. Well, goddamn, that must have been a hell of a hard question because he just ran like a motherfucker. <laughs> He'll be back in a second. His electronics decided to fuck with him early tonight. Thank God. There he is. Every time I talk, every time I talk shit about Robert Rodriguez, I get disconnected. Is he? Does he own stock in Blog Talk Radio? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's listening to that shit and he's got like a button. He's like, "Oh, Nate, say something, you motherfucker." 
<laughs> but right? why I ask you for you, Vanis, is what's your favorite horror film that takes place 90% in daylight rather than darkness? Hmm. I would have to think about that for a second. Um, I don't know. I mean... My, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No. You Mine, got an idea. Yeah, you're like, yeah, give me time to think. Mine would be Rituals, the one with Hal Holbrook. Yep. Yep. Um, and I think we've talked about this before, too, is um, uh, like the original Wicker Man is really creepy for a movie that mostly takes place during the day. Um, yeah, it takes you know. place over two days. Like I said, I've yeah. gotten the, uh, I had a first edition novel, which I wish I still have. I kind of punch myself in the nuts every time I, oh, think about it. <laughs> in the back, he has a detailed map of Summerisle Island and a minute by minute listing of time. Uh, from the second that Howie reaches the island till the end of the movie. Right? Huh. You can't get yeah. the new editions, but the first editions, hmm. you can. Yeah, along those same lines, I swear, when I was in college, uh, Twin Peaks uh, was just going into its second season, I think. And um, Time Magazine did a huge article on David Lynch and Twin Peaks. And in the middle, it had this big fold-out, uh, like, centerfold, centerfold um, where it had all the characters from Twin Peaks, and it told all the connections that they had to each other. And yeah. You know, it was really, it was like a really neat kind of like flow chart that connected everything in Twin Peaks. And I have been online. I mean, obviously this was back in the early nineties when I was in college, but now yeah. all these years later, I, I think about it and I go looking for it on eBay all the time. Somebody out there has to have a copy of it. I know it exists. I did uh, not imagine if you're looking it. For it was, stuff it was like thing. that. Go to the wrapped in plastic, uh, Twin Peaks pot site if anyone's yeah, I, going to yeah, know where to find yeah. it that that's going to be the place but it really broke yeah, my heart I, yeah. the first season of twin peaks was just perfect it was great yeah and then in the and, second yeah. season it's like you can just tell the exact moment when david lynch stopped giving a fuck yeah and that's that's why it's kind of cool that they came back with that third season, because even though it, even though the third season is really kind of more abstract and out there, it's better than the second season. So if there's never any more twin peaks for as long as I live, at least they went out on a high note. I mean, it was bizarre, but yeah. it was David Lynch bizarre, which is well, always good. You know, bizarre. it's like, I'm watching these bizarre David Lynch films. Uh, Blue Velvet, The Elephant Man, Eraserhead, 
And all of a sudden, this guy who makes weirdo shit for weirdos is the toast of the T is the toast of TV. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You know, like, uh, what the hell's going on in the bizarre old world? Yeah, well, it's weird. I mean, it, it definitely usually goes in the other direction. Someone starts out on TV and then gets popular as a filmmaker. You know, like, you think about, like, Edgar Wright. You know, obviously, he directed the episodes of Spaced, and that's kind he of what put him on the map. You know, Space, period. That was the baby of him uh, and the two guys from Shaun of the Dead and the girl with the yep. golf club. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and uh, they all they all went on to bigger and better things, too. Uh, but again, you know, it's like I've, I was thinking about this because Abby and I were talking about it earlier uh today we were talking about last night in soho which is getting a lot of buzz coming out of the Cannes film festival this year and yeah. it kind of remind it, it kind of reminds me of like the trajectory of peter jackson's career where you know so much of what oh, uh, not. E- well, every everything that edgar wright has done up until this point has been like kind of cult stuff you know and now all of a sudden, no, baby like driver. That... I don't. I didn't like it. I love the soundtrack, but baby driver was a big hit. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like baby driver was a big hit. So now he's taking this next step. Just like when Peter Jackson had uh, Heavenly Creatures, that kind of proved that he had more. That he was more than just you know uh, an underground horror and, splatter filmmaker. You know. And what's funny? And that's, you know, is of all of his films, Heavenly Creatures is his creepiest movie. Yeah. And I think it's his best movie. Oh, me too. Not my I favorite. Love, yeah. It's not my it's favorite. Yeah, your favorite yeah. is The Frighteners. No. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. No way. My favorite. No. Uh, no, no. I do like the I do like the Frighteners, but no. My favorite is definitely Dead Alive. That movie blows my mind. No matter how many times I watch it, I love that flick. <laughs> well, there's only one you, way for me to tell my favorite Peter Jackson movie. Yeah. Sodomy. It's very odd of me to enjoy the act of sodomy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I lost my meet the people. Yeah, yeah, I I love it too, and I I'm so pissed off that I had an original copy of that on VHS from when it first came out, and uh, I loaned it to a friend of mine, and he moved away and took it with him, and I never talked to him again. Yeah, I'm just like I remember not, not, that. Not, yeah. Do you remember that one scene in it with the guru with the head up his ass? And someone goes up to him and he said, oh, you must be the boss. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? Right? Every boss I've ever had has always had their head up their ass. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, the Most thing I like, the thing. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say the thing I like most about Meet the Feebles is I, I, I never cared for bad taste. Everybody, I, I saw Dead Alive was the first Peter Jackson movie I ever saw. Um, and the same video store, this was, you know, when I was really starting to get into, uh, when I, when I was younger, I never really thought about films in terms of directors, you know, that wasn't how I viewed films when I was younger. I would just, you know, if something looked interesting to me or I recognized an actor, I'd, I'd watch it, you know, but once, once I started to realize, oh, you know, each film that, you know, these directors craft these films specifically. So I saw Dead Alive and then I went back to that same video store and they had other Peter Jackson movies. So I rented Bad Taste and I never really cared for it. I think Bad Taste is uneven, but I it's did too enjoy. Long. It's funny, but it's just too damn long. He could have edited it down to a tight. 80 or 90 minutes. But you know what? It mostly takes place during the day. Yeah. (laughs) Which is how we started this conversation. But yeah, uh, the reason I like Meet the Feebles is because I feel like I did like the special effects in Bad Taste. I just didn't care for the story and the acting I felt was kind of weak, especially Peter Jackson's character himself, even though he's not (laughs) in it that much, but... Just, you know. Uh, my too, favorite too is the head of the alien burger guys just because he's funny. The <laughs> right. waiters are coming <laughs> and they're <laughs> ripe bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did like the, I, I liked Meet the Feebles because it, it expanded on that whole idea, you know, not, not the idea from Bad Taste, but just Peter Jackson, like working with, uh, you know, the puppets and the, the, the costumes and the special effects, but I, I liked it more, you know, it was more, yeah. The, the movie, the movie itself was better for me, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know I, why he made me the feebles, don't you? I've never heard any particular story. I just always thought he was making fun of the Muppet show. <laughs> No, he was very pissed off because he kept trying to get the money to make uh, Housebound, as it was called back then, or Brain Dead, or Dead Alive. And he got fucking frustrated and tired of having to deal with the idiots. So he basically made one of the biggest fuck you movies he could. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah just basically like a fuck you to the whole industry kind of thing. Yeah. And it has one of the kinkiest, kinkiest sight gags ever that unless you think about it, you wouldn't get how kinky it is. And that's a cow wearing leather. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And it does have the very memorable scene of the fly, uh, eating shit, which, uh, Oh, yeah, that's what he thought of the reporters. Shitty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, shit-eating <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, it's weird. He went from that to Dead Alive, which was loved. But it wasn't a box office hit because 
the studio that had it didn't have the balls to go white, even though whenever it was playing in theaters, it made a good amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same for movies like, I mean, from an earlier era, but you think about like Evil Dead 2 or uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Um, those movies were playing off of established uh, cult hits, and so even though those, even though Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Evil Dead were big drive-in hits, they still, you know, st- still made modest money on uh, upon their release just because they were like midnight movies and the kind of thing. You mean the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah. Yeah. We'll never know how saying... much money that'll make because, uh, as I said, the company that first released Texas Chinatown called Massacres was run by the Perino mob family. And he <laughs> start, they started the company to hide money that they were making off of Deep Throat. Yep. And one of the funniest stories is one of the producers kicked in the door and barged in the Perino's office and was like, you motherfuckers, where's my mutt? Oh, never mind, sir. You have done (laughs) fair by me. I will just leave now. (laughs) (laughs) Just imagine some West Texas redneck kicking in there and then seeing some old school mobsters just sitting there looking at him like, who the fuck is this idiot? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, I mean, if he's a, you know, hard-ass Texan, he could have gone and got some of his boys and gone back and had a old-fashioned western shootout. I yeah. guess it would be a southern shootout. I guess it would be a southern would, shootout uh, if you're a he would end up in uh, the. He would end up in the river. <laughs> I don't know he, what they, happened, they, officer. He came to my office and now his head's on backwards. Goddamn this thing uh, you ever seen. Oh, uh, I don't know what happened to him, officer. Uh, but I got to get back to the construction site. We got to pour some concrete for the bridge today, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Deep Throat made so much money that they didn't even count it. They waited. Mm. <laughs> it, it was like they were bringing in gigantic trash bags. And it was like, how much money did we make today? Eh? Boom. Oh, 30 pounds. Oh, shit. Hmm. It's hilarious. The Perinos created that company to try to lose money. But that guy, he picked, here's the movies he picked to lose money. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, Flesh for Frankenstein, and Blood for Dracula. How bad luck that the guy who was picking out movies for the Perinos have in picking flops. He probably ended up in the river. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like, shit, this movie's making money. Uh, all but right, Dino, this time go ahead. over uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 1980, and it play, kept playing the drive-in every year like clockwork until 1989 when basically the drive-in that, uh, almost died. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. I think you and I have talked about this before, but I know, I mean, it's it's probably far more profitable where you live down south, where the weather's a little more, the climate's a little more temperate, but uh, the drive-in's making a really big comeback up here in New England, despite yeah, the fact that it's it, only, oh, like, so like four months out of the year, you can go to the drive-in up here, and that's yeah. it. The rest of the time, it's You know why? Because there's only two, really, 200% safe ways to watch a movie nowadays. At your home, mm-hmm. on streaming, or at the drive-in. Yeah. Uh, so all these drive-ins uh, are getting all these retro packages and things like that. Last night at KHF, they're showing, I forget the third film, but the first two films are The Howling and American Werewolf in London. Nice. Yeah, those movies are the ones that are doing good at the drive-in, not the new stuff. Yeah, most of the drive-in theaters that we have uh, in the area where Abby and I live, they most of them have two screens. One screen will show, like, two of the newest, biggest hits, and the other screen will show, uh, you know, like a double feature, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Jaws, you know, while the other one yeah. is showing, you know, the other one's showing John Wick <clears throat> 4 and, you know, whatever, whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't pay a lot of attention to newer movies, so. And yeah. what's funny is Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark probably had a fuller drive-in than the new film. <laughs> yeah, well. You know, when Abby and I go to the drive-in, we usually pick the theater that, you know, the the screen that's showing, like, Ferris Bueller's Day Off and, you know, The Breakfast Club before we pick the one that's showing, you know, Adam's Family 2 and, uh, you know, whatever. (laughs) The Breakfast Uh, Club? Ew. Ew. Well, I'm one of the few 80s kids who hated that movie. They, everyone looked at well, me like I was a weirdo. I'm like, fuck the Breakfast Club. What? <laughs> they well, make you things know. like you? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those where they're like, get away. We shun thee. Stone him. But I don't know. They don't show a lot of like, we do have a lot of second run theaters and art theaters around here that you can go to see like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or, you know, old stuff like that. But they show that stuff inside because they don't want, you know, they don't want some, like a lot of times those theaters will have the two, the drive-ins will have two screens and one screen is like, you know, Texas Chainsaw, it would be Texas Chainsaw and Evil Dead, but then the other one would be like the minions and 
you know, Smurfs movie or something, and they don't want kids wandering away from the car and seeing the gory movie. So uh, you can see a lot of that stuff around here at the, at the theaters, but you have to go inside. They don't show those at the drive-in, which really sucks because those are the type of movies I really want to see at the drive-in, you know, like, yeah, uh, like, uh, I never, they're after the eighties and stuff. Through the nineties and oh I didn't like Poltergeist. I always thought it was in. Eh. But then right. I seen it at the drive-in, and I'm like, Jesus, this is actually greater than I remember. Yeah, well, it's a visually stunning movie, and watching it on a screen that big uh, has got to be cool. I've never, I mean, I've. I've never seen it on the big screen. I've only seen it yeah, on it home was, video. Uh, you know, so. Toby Hooper night. It was uh, uh, Poltergeist, uh, Life Force, Uncut. I forget the other Toby Hooper film that played. It wasn't Invaders from Mars or Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 or 2. But the last one was in... Yeah, no... The last one was Invaders from Mars. Oh, the Fun House. Oh yeah, that's a that's a deep cut Fun House. Yeah, I love it. Mm. Only thing I love about the Fin uh, Fun House is that one scene with William Finley as the world's most bored magician. <laughs> yeah, right? we're here. Here's a magical spell. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, look, she's here. Thank you. We'll be back in an hour. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, life believe... force is good. Yeah, well, I can't believe they showed life. I can't believe they showed life force. I mean, that has a lot of nudity in it. I mean, you know. Well, it was yeah. What yeah? They showed it late at night. It was uh, about. Uh, two a.m. It was like seven yeah. or eight after the sun went down. It opened with Poltergeist, uh, then the Fun House, then Life Force, yeah. and then Invaders from Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I really like, you know, uh, I, I forget about that one a lot, but I really like the Invaders from Mars. I know it was a, obviously a remake, but uh, I like a lot about there's something of like Toby Hooper managed to capture a lot of the spirit of like a cheap 1950s sci-fi movie, like with, with a budget that didn't yeah. necessitate that, you know, he did it on purpose. Yeah, and the second night was uh, Monster Night, so we got, uh, let's see, uh, Alligator, Mm -hmm. Critters, Mm -hmm. I forget what the last two were, god dang it, but the worst thing I ever seen was uh, Flesh Eater, the tie between Flesh Eater and... uh, Son of Dracula with Harry Nielsen. 90% of the audience <laughs> left during those films. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. not joking. It's like as soon as it, the, 
the thing for Son of Dracula come up, you just think cars. (laughs) (laughs) It is a, it is a fairly terrible movie, but you know, like you have to balance the weight of a movie that you've seen before that you already know is a bad movie. And even, you know, obviously this is a common thing uh, amongst the circle of film fanatics that we uh, hobnob with, you know, the so bad it's good movie, you know, like, yeah, you know, there are a lot of so bad it's good movies that you can have fun with. But then there are some that are just so bad, they're bad. But you have to balance the quality of the movie against the medium where you're viewing it. If, if I, I would sit and watch a really bad horror movie that I hate if I could see it like Chud 2. Not, not Chud, which in and of itself is a pretty crappy movie. But Chud 2, I absolutely despise. I had a copy of it on VHS and I smashed it with a sledgehammer. I hated it so much. But <laughs> if I could see it at the drive, <laughs> if I could see it at the drive-in, I'd go see it at the drive-in. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> it's what I joke oh. with them. I always call. I mean, asshole slot. It's when the shit comes <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I mean, a lot of high, uh, drive-ins this year, my year are showing. Uh, let's see, Possession, which are showing at KHF on Inside, thank God. Uh, the new remaster of Popcorn, the new remasters of The Howling and An American Werewolf in London. That sounds cool. Yeah, those are traveling the circuit, yeah. Yeah. See, that's the difference up here. Like you guys still have like like a like a circuit of drive ins down there. Up here all the drive ins are independently owned and operated and they all program their own movies. So I mean yeah, sure. Well you when got it's a like more, I you say, got a better chance with an independent drive in of seeing something like that that they know that will make them money than a studio drive-in. Like a Disney-owned drive-in, you're like 90% guaranteed you're going to see a Disney. My cousin, and they'd never been to a drive-in, but the movies were, uh, it opened with The Hunchback of Notre Dame, then the second mm-hmm. was that one phenomena with uh, John Travolta, and the closer was The Rock. Mhm. Yeah. See, what, you see like what I, I mean? said, up studio. Yeah. Well, like I said, up here, most drive-ins will show on one screen, they'll show the biggest movies that are playing in the world, you know, like whatever the newest Avengers movie is, or, you know, double feature with whatever the new John Wick movie is or something. And then the other screen will show you like a couple of old movies from the seventies or eighties. But yeah, for the most part around here, if you really want to see like obscure not necessarily always obscure, but just like older films. Like last weekend, uh, we went to a big screening, uh, you know, a, a showing on the big screen of The Wizard of Oz, you know. 
not an obscure yeah. movie by any stretch of the imagination, but still, like, you know, not something that you would just expect to see. Yeah, they all, yeah you, I knew you'd like a movie where they all do heroin. <laughs> poppies! Poppies! <laughs> yeah. Mommy, Daddy, uh, why is Dorothy and the Lion and the Tin Man and the Scarecrow <laughs> got needles? And what are they cooking <laughs> with that spoon? but yeah we always talk about obscure you always brought this up we'll cover a little bit of show before we do uh, the promotional part uh what's your favorite some of your favorite non-obscure horror films well one of my favorite movies of all time, and this is by no means obscure, but um, I love Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. And oh yeah, I know that might it might be considered more of a suspense film than a horror film, but um, here's what I can say about it, and I'll compare it to Night of the Living Dead, because. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very OCD. I'm a very anal person. I'm very organized and I'm very, you know, like prepared at all times for whatever, you know? Um, and I, I really like psycho because it's black and white and every, all the, the, it's all like clean, straight lines. Everything is really, uh, it just looks really pretty and it looks really clean. It looks really, uh, you know, just put together. And I I compare it to Night of the Living Dead because Night of the Living Dead is also black and white, but uh, there's not that same symmetry. You know, there's lots of sloppiness yeah. to it, which is in, which is intentional. You know, they're living through a zombie apocalypse, you know, versus psycho where you know we see uh norman you know with his uh taxidermy collection and uh you know he cleans up after the murder and everything uh, weird fact in my series of weird facts first that psycho did the first thing the first from psycho yeah, the uh, biggest first, first yeah, in film. Yeah, first, first, yeah, first movie that ever showed a toilet on screen. <laughs> yeah, the first movie to ever show a toilet and a flushing toilet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one will be seated during the shocking toilet flushing scene. <laughs> now, but the reason that he did that, and you probably know this, is that... Before that, theaters didn't give a fuck and would let you in the movie at any fucking time. And Clyde Barker told the story. He said, the worst thing that happened is he got in the psycho and he seen the last 10 minutes first. And after that, psycho was basically ruined for him as an experience. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Psycho was the first movie, as far as I know, from my, uh, you know, my years of uh, studying filmmaking and films, 
Um, yeah, as far as I know, Psycho was the very first movie that would only let you come in from the beginning till the end. Now, up until that point, you could walk into any movie at any time, pay your money, and you could not only watch from whatever point you were at in the movie, but you could stay and just keep watching the movie. You could watch it more than once for for the price of one ticket, so you didn't have to leave the theater. Psycho was the first movie where you could go in from the beginning, watch the movie, and then you had to leave. And they brought in a whole other audience for the next showing. That I believe that yeah. was the first movie that ever did that. And be, because, and it wasn't because of the flushing toilet, <laughs> and it wasn't because of the last ten minutes of the movie. It was because Janet Lee was. Well, actually, yeah, uh, was, it was because of the last. 10 minutes of the movie, they didn't want the whole Norman Bates' mother exposed before you seen the movie. But uh, in every interview that I've ever read with Hitchcock, he says that the main reason he did it that way is because uh, Janet Lee is, is the, is the top billed actress, but she dies half an hour into the movie. So he was yeah, worried that so people many would twist you know. in that movie that you need to yeah. see them in order. But yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I also love its yeah. companion piece, which is sad. Hitchcock made Psycho, and it took him to the next level of successful director. Michael Powell made Peeping Tom, and it fucking killed his career dead. Yeah, and it's, that's, I mean, that movie would not, again, on along the same path that we're talking about, nowadays, at least people who are, in, who are interested in film and educated about film, Peeping Tom is no longer an obscure film, but oh man, it was obscure for a long time. That was one of those movies, along with like Solo, that you and I talk about now that's so readily available, but it was like the white whale when I was a kid, you know, I'm like, Oh, I got to see peeping Tom, everything I'm reading about it and all the zines and the, you know, magazines and yeah, all these books, you know, I'm like, you that's know, always it, it, weird in me. I mean, in tone and stuff, there's no difference between peeping Tom and psycho, but Peeping Tom got destroyed. The guy's, Michael Powell's career got destroyed. I often wonder if it's because Peeping Tom uh, had more than, you know, Psycho really only has a couple of murders in it, you know. Uh, And the twist ending kind of, like, throws it in that direction where... um, you know, all the time you think it's uh, Norman's mom, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, twist, it's Norman the whole time, you know. Spoiler, spoiler. alert for a 50-year-old movie. Yeah, spoiler alert for a 50-year-old movie, but... Um, but yeah, is, uh, is that I've seen Psycho 2 first. Yeah. And I loved that to death. And then my mom came back like a day later from the video store going... Here, you need to watch this. Oh! Um, yeah. I I like Psycho 2 a lot as well. I um, You know, it's one of those things where 
if you step back and look at it, you think, man, Psycho was such a, you know, monumental work in the history of cinema. It didn't need a sequel, but the Psycho 2 is a really good movie. Uh, but you have to have seen Psycho to to really get it, you know, like it, it the it doesn't make a lot of sense as a standalone movie and psycho three is just a piece of crap psycho four oh gosh i can't even believe that hey exists. that was good no 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 I like no psycho four. there's too much detail you know the problem is <laughs> it's like the same problem i had with bates no tail it was a good movie but there was no much necessary for us to know this much detail about Norman. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that show. Uh, have you watched any of that show, Big Sky? No. Uh, it's it's a fairly new show. Um I think it's only been out for like a month or so. Abby and I have been watching it on Hulu. Um, and it's, it's about this uh, sex trafficking ring operating in Montana. Um, and the main character who's uh, one of the traffickers still lives with his mother and he has a very like, Norman and Mother Bates relationship with his mom, yeah. like, it, it yeah. It, but again, it's not. It, they don't go into it like really deeply. She's just a very kind of domineering and manipulative mother, and he's like a man child because of it. You know, like yeah. he's never really, well, you know, he's never really gone out. Is you in know. Psycho, but they don't. Even in Psycho 2, they don't go into detail. They tell you enough where you figure it out. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying about this show, Big Sky. It's very similar to that. Like, yeah. you know, they don't really they don't really detail it that much. Like, the most you ever really get out of it, obviously, you can tell that he's being henpecked and, you know, like he's been domineered his his mother's been domineering his whole life but the only real indication that you ever get about how weird and creepy their relationship is is one night he has a nightmare full grown adult you know like 40 year old man has a nightmare and he goes and climbs in bed with his mom and snuggles up with her cuz he had a bad dream you know and you're like yeah. okay that's weird yeah. but <laughs> but you know uh, another I, one I, I, for yeah. me is well of course halloween there's so many weird firsts with that like halloween was the first movie that i knew that the tv version had extra footage that was filmed for it because it came up too short yeah, that is a weird uh that is a weird story. I've heard that before as well. I don't believe I've ever seen the extended version. Um again, my copy of Halloween, which is another film I I love as well. You had um, to uh track down the DVD and the VHS that Anchor Bay put out called Halloween Extended Television Version. Yeah, the the version I have is another leftover from my days working at the video store. I have it on it's a part of my VHS collection, so um I uh I keep that one around 
even though you can watch most of the Halloween movies on streaming services, I have noticed suspiciously, I always want to watch Halloween or Halloween three on Halloween. I, that's always one of my, uh, one of my ongoing things. I always sit around on Halloween and eat candy and smoke pot and watch, watch my favorite horror movies. And I always want to watch Halloween or Halloween three. Like I said, those are two of my favorites right now. I'm watching Halloween four actually while we're talking, but just randomly, um, I, I like Halloween to, 4 up until the last five minutes. And then when I started copying uh, the exact same ending as one, I yelled out in my loudest fingers yeah. burst, what the fuck is this bullshit? <laughs> and walked out of the theater. But I have noticed that... Uh, the Halloween movies seem to disappear from all of the streaming services right around Halloween. You can still find them on there, but all of yeah. a sudden they're not included with your subscription anymore. Now you have to pay separately. You for remember them. when and AMC only... used to show the Halloween movies every Halloween, but they'd only show the shittiest ones they had in their library. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like uh, yeah. five, six, and seven. <laughs> yep. But yeah, here's another Hardly. weird story. To promote Halloween, they released it in New York and LA for about a month. And once the good word started, they pulled it from theaters. Okay. And then re released it maybe four months later with a poster that says, the film that scared everybody. Now you can see it. <laughs> well, well, that's not a bad marketing ploy. No. <laughs> I've never seen that poster for sale at cons. I would kill for it. I'd hate to see how much it costs, but yeah. I know. Talk about like uh like art artwork that that I collect, you know. Uh I have a lot of uh, posters, a lot of one sheets from some of my favorite movies that I've gotten from uh, flea markets and uh, and and cons and stuff. But uh, the one that got away, and this was not a movie poster, but I was at a flea market with my brother-in-law and we were flipping through these vintage posters. And there was one poster that was from a comedy club from the 1970s and it was George Carlin and Richard Pryor performing together. And I was like, Oh, "Oh, I got to have, I'm like, I got to have, I'm like, I'm like, I got to have this poster. It was a hundred bucks. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I can justify spending a hundred bucks on it. I mean, it was just uh, that I have is, uh, MGM was uh, releasing uh, midnight movies every year. Yep. And they had like his things like sign up here and you may win the special prize. And I'm like, yeah, I ain't going to win because it's like two days for the promotion was over. And then about four weeks later, I got a tube in the mail and I got an exact reproduction movie theater size 
of the Ravens with uh, Vincent Price, Peter Lorre, and Boris Karloff. Nice. That's a cool one. <clears throat> I think I bet I know the artwork that's on it too because I have that. Uh, I have that movie on uh, like a special edition DVD, and I bet it's the same artwork that's on your poster. Yeah, that was the main theatrical poster for it. Right. I think probably my favorite poster in my collection, and I, I think you have one as well, uh, is the uh, the the gigantic one sheet, two sided one sheet that they released when they put out Grindhouse uh, with Death Proof and Planet Terror. Yeah. Yeah, I I've got the misprint time one. It yeah. says <laughs> two hours of excitement. Uh <laughs> <laughs> right. Three yeah. hours. <laughs> uh and I have another poster that's about that same size that's uh it's a reprint, but it's it's really nice quality but it's a reprint of the original french blue velvet poster so that's pretty cool uh, the one with uh, <laughs> the missing uh, rape scene no the rape scene is on the poster though but i don't yeah. know if it's in the actual i don't know if it's in the french version of the movie but that's the picture no. that's on the poster last time it was put on is uh well you got the criterion blue velvet right yep it's on there and I also, on the one hour of deleted scenes without sound because that's all they could find. Well, I actually have, again, stolen from the video store. I actually have one of the original copies of Blue Velvet on VHS from when it was first released. So I have it with the rape scene with sound on my VHS copy. It's no, not horrible. the pool table rape scene. In Blue Velvet? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about the scissor rape scene. No, I'm talking about the French poster. It has the pool. Her, the girl laid over the pool table with her legs tied apart with the pool stick. Oh, no, that's not what's on the poster. No, the poster that I have has uh, the uh, when Dennis Hopper like rapes her with the scissors. Oh, baby wants to fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the that's the image that's on the poster I have. But yeah, I mean, it was always the mainstream ones you had to rent around Halloween because they was hard to get any of the obscure stuff. Well, no, Halloween, the Nightmare on Elm Street films, the Friday the 13th, they were always rented out on uh, Halloween weekend. So I had to get something new. So I got to see stuff that people wouldn't touch, like... uh, Let's see, Alice, Sweet Alice, uh, Jeff Franco's Demoniac, Mm -hmm. uh, The Loves of Irina, Jeff Franco. Yep. 
the infamous hard to find scream greats uh Satanism tape that got the whole line killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we uh me and my friends used to uh on Halloween we'd usually go with the quote unquote classics like Friday the thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween. Um most of that obscure stuff I would most of my friends weren't really into like horror and exploitation movies. That was more my thing. So, you know, on Halloween, they would want to watch the classics, the the stuff that they, that they knew from when they were younger. But I would always be the one that would go out the rest of the year and rent that obscure shit and bring it over and force them to watch it. And, uh, you know, I think I, I think I kind of gained a reputation in my circle of friends as being a weirdo because they were like, where the fuck do you even hear about these movies? I'm like, I don't even have to hear about them. Yeah, sure. I read the zines, you know, I read the magazines, I read the books, but if I go into a video store and the artwork catches my eye and I read the back and it sounds like it's going to be a good movie and it's rated R I'm, I'm down. I'm going to see boobs. I'm going to see blood. And uh, I'm going to see something crazy, so I'm going for it, you know? Yeah, I always remember that I couldn't take the new issue to fa- of Fangoria's The School because there were always, like, two or three teachers would be like, Hey, Steve, you got the new you got the new Fangoria yet? Uh, no. Come on, man. You got to get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I didn't have anything fun like that. When I was in junior high school, I had one cool teacher, our our music teacher in junior high school. He was a really cool dude. Like, you know, like you'd go into class at the beginning of the year and he'd be like, okay. He'd be like, let's listen to Beethoven. And he'd put on like, you know, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony or whatever. And he'd be like, okay, now let's discuss Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. And he'd talk about it for like five minutes. Then he'd be like, okay, let's listen to Pink Floyd. (laughs) Let's listen to Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) Like he, he gave up on like classical music after the first five minutes of the first class and the rest of the year, we just uh, like psychedelic. You know, I would have but, said to him, I would have said, oh, Beethoven fifth. Does this mean we get to watch a clockwork orange now? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was another, that was another thing. Like, uh, that's a, that's a weird one for me too, because, you know, clockwork orange is such a classic, but I, it was a long time before I ever got to see that. In fact, the first time I ever saw Clockwork Orange, I saw it on the big screen when I uh, when I was a freshman in college. They uh, they showed it at the movie theater on campus, and that was the first time I had ever seen it. I had uh, I had never had an opportunity like I had never found it at a video store around here, and that was really weird because there was one video store around here that had like like. I think I've told you about it before. Uh, That's where I first saw Solo. That's where I first saw Sid and Nancy. It's where I first saw Last House on the Left. You know, and these, like, you know, we had a blockbuster and a front row video. Those stores didn't have that shit, you know. But there was one 
there were a couple of independent video stores in town at the time. And one of them had just like every, the guy who owned it would drive around new England on the weekend and go to uh, conventions. And he'd just go up to somebody's uh, booth and be like, I'll take everything you got. Just give me every one of your movies. And he'd bring them back to, to his store, you know? So he had he just had some of the most obscure shit you've ever seen in yeah, your life, you know. Yeah, and then when that, you walked you know. in, you heard Pusher Man from Curtis Mayfield. <laughs> yeah, I'm your man. Right? I'm your valley. I'm the guy with the movies. I'm your Pusher Man. <laughs> got some horror. Got some cult. Got some artist kind of stuff. I'm your Pusher Man. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the funny thing was, though, that store also got new releases every week, right? But yeah. the employees at that the employees at that store were not allowed to rent the new releases until they'd been out for two weeks. So I was friends with this guy Frank, who worked at that video store, because I would go in there to get all the cult and obscure shit that I'd been looking for. But then he would come to my video store for the new releases because he wasn't allowed to rent the new releases at his work. So he'd come over to my video store for well, the newest that shit. That was one of my favorite bits in Clerks, which I understood that most people didn't. you like, why do you want to go use my car to go rent a movie? You work in a video store. I work in a shitty video store. I want to go to the good video store. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I know that pain. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> I just, the only thing that could have made that scene funnier is if when Dante was, uh, or when Randall was uh, checking out at the, the good video store, he was like, you got Navy SEALs? I don't know. That, that, I just that, that, love the moment when he he walked in and fell to his knees and that oh <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's how uh, we were back then at the good video <laughs> store. <laughs> Have you seen uh I think this looks kind of intriguing. Um I'm not sure you know, Kevin Smith is another one of those directors who's like hit or miss for me. Like, I love some of his movies. Some of his yeah, movies he, I just yeah. find The annoying. problem is with but. Kevin Smith is that he waited too late for it, but he should have told his fans to go fuck themselves and just make movies for him. Right. Well, like I mean, that interview just, with Tarantino when uh, he says, what do you think about people who complain about your films? Fuck them. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but the uh, Clerks 3 looks like it's going to be pretty interesting because it – I. It seems like, and I know it won't happen because Kevin Smith. It's the uh, original idea for Clerks 2. That was really how he wanted to end it with uh, them making Clerks, you know. Right. But uh, 
I've seen some of the footage from it and uh, uh, it looks like they're like faithfully recreating some of the scenes from the original clerk. So I can only imagine they're they're shooting in the quick stop. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they have Cooley's gum back. (laughs) Yeah. I saw the, I saw the sign. (laughs) Yeah. I can only imagine it's just going to switch back and forth between like color when they're, Doing their normal clips yeah. When nonsense, they shoot the then, movie, the movie's gonna it, be in black and white. <laughs> right, it'll cut, it'll cut to black and white. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that'll be neat, though. I mean, it should be fun. I, you know, I know Kevin Smith always complains about oh, going back to the well, Jay and Silent Bob and Clerks and blah blah blah, and it's like, well that hasn't always paid off for you either. So, you know, you only have yourself to blame when you get so self-indulgent that you're just like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. And you're just going to have no, to he yoga what he thinks. He thinks <clears throat> what he, he does what he thinks his fans want. Well, He's I one mean, of when the it most comes to panic directors, I think towards his fans. But when it comes to things like, Tusk, you know, he he asked on his podcast for weeks if people wanted him to make Tusk. They it started out as a joke between him and Scott Mosier, and they just every week they had people vote until enough people said yeah they wanted him to make it. So that's one thing, but just coming up with a fucking stupid idea like yoga hosers and thinking oh this will be hilarious I'm gonna make this movie like none of his fans wanted him to make a movie with friggin' mutant midget Nazis and his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter and Johnny Depp playing a fake faux French, I don't, Frenchman, I don't know, man. Yeah. That, that movie is, that movie's scraping the bottom of the barrel. The best uh, thing about Tusk is what's his, Michael Park. Oh, yeah, well, he's always That's great. the only reason I watch it. I'm like, I don't know if we're going to watch Tusk. Michael Parks is in it. Oh. Yeah. But, Whenever you yeah, that, think of that yeah. scene from a Kentucky Fried movie when he tells them to kill lots of people and then he has that look <laughs> in his face, you know. That's <laughs> right. really the look I have when I see something, you know. Uh, da, da, da. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But I don't know. I, mean, like, I, think, I think Kevin Smith uh, you know, like I, I like, I think his, I think some of his worst movies are like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I think that movie's horrible. Um, uh, Jay and Silent was, Bob you know, reboot. That was shit. No, I like Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I thought that was a better idea than Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Like at least it wasn't Jay and Bob Strike Back was basically him just. Filming the Jay and Silent Bob cartoon. Yeah, which I, I don't I like. Mean, I like comic the, book, comic book. Yeah, and see, like that's some other stuff that he's been involved with. That like I like the Clerks cartoon, the one that only ran for six episodes on ABC. I like that. Oh it's, God, it's that was more, you know, 
That may be yeah. his funniest stuff I've ever seen. Well, it definitely yeah, that, was Jason Mew's funniest stuff. That whole episode where basically he was just making up shit and coming in and saying it. Hey, man, <laughs> your girlfriend's out there kissing guys. And this funny <laughs> letter H. <laughs> Jason, uh, Jason Mews and uh, uh, what's his name? The guy that played Dante. Uh, yeah, Brian O'Halloran. Uh, Brian O'Halloran. Yeah, uh, we're having a comic uh, comic book convention uh, uh, here uh, next month, and those two are going to be there. So I don't know if I'm going to go anyway, but well, if yeah, I do another, go, I'll definitely check uh, them one out. One of the normal ones is probably the first Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, when it first came, people forget when Elm Street 1 first hit theaters, it was a mega flop. It didn't do shit at the box office. It got horrible reviews. It was on a lot of critics' worst of the years list. But then it hit VHS. And it did so much funny that they were like what are we going to do well let's make another one why because we want to make more money and then we got nightmare on elm street 2 and when it made a lot of money even though it wasn't that good we got elm street 3 blah 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 it's funny how it went from a flop to like a big franchise same with uh, Halloween. Well, Friday but, the 13th, you know. But there's a there's a there's a difference to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, and I say franchise because in the pre-internet era, Nightmare on Elm Street really did level themselves as a multimedia product. I mean, not only did they have the movies, they put out the, not just the, not just the, the scores, not just the scores to the movies. Um, but you know, they had like Freddie raps CD. They had, you know, Dawkins did the soundtrack to, uh, to Elm street three. They had the phone uh, line you yeah. could call yeah, to get a, to get a message. Line. The TV show. You know, the yeah. bedtime buddies. Yeah, you know, like like that was the first not the first movie necessarily, but they really seized on to what it's common now, you know, like I was thinking about it earlier today. Uh Abby and I were watching America's Got Talent this morning before we had to go to work. And uh you know, it's like there's a there was a point in the episode where the host uh Terry Crews there says Oh, don't forget, you know, because this this year their spot the America's Got Talent is sponsored by Sonic. So they're like, oh, don't forget, if you go to the Sonic drive-through and film a TikTok and put it on Twitter and Facebook and ha- you know hashtag America's Got Talent hashtag Sonic, we might pick yours and play it on the air. And I'm like, you know, that's that's kind of you know what we take for granted now for stuff yeah. like that you know viral I, marketing I, even though i was you young, know i'll be like fuck you but if they said 
do this and you'll get a free Route 44 drink. What? <laughs> All right. But, you know, like, there were so many cross promotions like that when we were younger, but I think a nightmare on Elm street really took it to the next level. Like, you know, I remember, uh, I think there was, I can't remember what cereal it was, but there was one brand of cereal that if you, if you sent in five proof of purchase and $5, you could get a limited edition, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi action figure that wasn't available anywhere else, you know? So I dedicated uh, myself was, to eat, uh, you know. It was a Mace Windu figure, and I've got it around here somewhere. No, I had an Obi-Wan. No, I'm talking about when I was a kid. They, yeah. they had the, you know. Yeah, they when, had uh, Obi-Wan, an R2-D2, and a C-3PO. So I just, but, you know, that, that was kind of cross- you know, cross marketing, like in that era. And, you know, like I said, we take it for granted now because everything is cross marketed, you know, like what the TV shows you watch, try to get you to go to websites and try to get you to follow them on Twitter and on Facebook and, you know, you know, special offers. If you do this, if you sign up for this, you know, and like we, we take that for granted nowadays, but like I said, nightmare on Elm street was really one of the first, uh, you know, franchises that really saw the potential to branch out into yeah. every field all at once and really make some money off of it. Describe it, and I know you don't like this movie and about that is Rocky Horror Picture Show. It started out as Richard O'Brien's heartfelt musical, then it made the movie, and then the movie started playing at midnight, and now the audience has co-opted it. And it has nothing to do with the movie. You could show a still picture of Rocky Horror Picture Show, and that whole crew would do their stick, their song and dance spiel. So it's yep. like they don't give a shit about the movies. They give a shit about, you know. Yeah, the, to me, it's the culture. Me, got like it. that, you know. All they care about is seeing the Freddy film. They don't give a shit if it's good or not. Yeah, well, that's apparent because, you know, as each director took over with the Nightmare franchise, it got goofier and goofier and goofier, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, if you really think about it, when you know, the next real success that Wes Craven had was with the Scream franchise, which was, you know, the whole, it, a lot of people tend to focus on that as like where meta horror kind of came into, uh, into style, but oh, you know, no, there's no, more no, to, no. there's, there's more to it than that though. It's like, you know, it's, it is self-aware and it's <laughs> self-aware in a way that makes it, amusing but not tacky whereas freddie got tacky you know like yeah freddie just got if you're tacky. looking for the first meta film and it's actually a good film get there is something out there that movie is hilarious yep for sure look the alien's in the oven he's in the oven close <laughs> the fucking door and turn it on I ain't getting 
getting close to it. Oh, you fucking idiot. Boom. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we've seen that really rise up, as uh, they called it in the 80s, the horror hero, where the killer became more of the focus in the movies than the so-called victims. Right. Well, I mean, there's always been uh, an aspect of, well, at least it, with like, I guess more like 80s horror movies. I mean, sometimes you you can look back. Uh, I, I think it's a, a product of, again, a product of uh, the time in history. I think in a lot of 70s horror movies, we saw uh, senseless like killing machines that, you know, where we were supposed to feel bad for the people that they were killing because, you know, we were coming off the tail end of the 1960s and we had things yeah. like Vietnam and, and, the, and the Manson murders and things like that. And, you know, we were seeing an, you know, an uptick in like violence and unrest. And so I think we came into the eighties with the, with the thought that, you know, these killers that we're that, you know, it's time to sympathize with the killers because they've been beaten down. They've been abused, you know, they've been, you know, tormented to the point well, where they're, the they're striking second, back against. Uh, yeah. You know. The seventies were about the second half of uh, our first part of the name. Exploitation. Because if you got a big hit like uh, The Exorcist, you would see exploitation, which would be everyone going to make their ripoff of The Exorcist. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that my wife is not named after the movie, but uh, Abby, that's, a, <laughs> that's an Exorcist ripoff. <laughs> or you know, uh, you mean uh, uh, your wife was exercised on a disco dance floor? That's so. Cool. <laughs> I know, right? Never leave this woman. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, that would be the that was the seventies way of cashing in. You seen a hit movie like The Exorcist? So, boom, 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 boom. You've seen a lot of movies, Italian and stuff like that, that would cash in on the basic idea rather than just make another sequel. Yeah, but then again, you look at movies like uh, Lucio Fulci's zombie movies that, you know, uh, he kind of, you you can tell the intention was to try to kind of spin off from George Romero's zombie movies, and I'm pretty sure well, that... Well, it's that, closer than you think, because the Italian title for Dawn of the Dead was Zombie. So they decided yep. to make a quick name only sequel, and we got Zombie 2, which is... Yep. One of the best and most fun, and it really doesn't have anything to do with the Romero film. As a matter of fact, you could place it, if you did a timeline, 
Zombie 2 before Night of the Living Dead. Right. Yeah, that I, that's what I was going to say. Splinter in the eyeball, goddamn. <laughs> yeah, Lucio Fulci has some of the best death scenes in his his movies. Those that's some good that's some good old fashioned gore that you don't see nowadays. But uh, I mean, you see it nowadays, but it's not the same as that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what did I watch? Too hard, or they use CGI blood. Which I understand I why they would use it. Yeah, it's cheaper and easier. Well, I don't know if it's easier. I guess practical effects are hard, but, I mean, digital effects take well, a long time and a lot of work, too. Someone at a horror con, they're like, they should use real blood instead of CGI. I'm like, would you cover an entire room for blood in your movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. Would you clean it up on your own? No. Yeah, what was the story that I read on uh I think it was on crack.com. They uh had an article about uh the police got called to a hotel where the room was covered in blood and uh they thought it was a murder scene, so they started investigating and quickly discovered that it was just uh yeah, corn syrup that someone had filmed a horror movie in the hotel room and then just left and left it to be cleaned up yeah. by the by the hotel staff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've heard so many stories about how they filmed the gore scene and it screws up somehow and it takes them four hours to set the damn thing up again. Yeah. Yeah, I was... uh. I was thinking about that the other day, actually earlier today, uh, when I I was watching a movie and I was thinking about like how the movie took place in a mansion. And I was like, I wonder if somebody like rented out their mansion to let these people film this horror movie. And if so, this low budget horror movie films in this like, you know, multi-million dollar mansion, then like who who cleans up all the blood and guts and stuff that they spray around this person's house? You know, oh, thanks for letting us use your house to film our movie. We don't really have much of a budget, so we couldn't have afforded to pay much more than what you charged us. So thanks a lot. By the way, sorry about all the blood we splattered all over everything. Uh, I'm yeah. sure you have a cleaning. I'm sure you have a cleaning staff, though, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, in the 70s, we had an excess exploitation, uh, almond cash-ins. Those got pretty <laughs> weird. Uh, the Visitor. Oh, God. If you haven't seen The Visitor before, look for it on streaming. It's like, what? it's like the exorcist, uh, well, an omen on acid. <laughs> with zombie right. with uh, Jesus ja- Jesus Django <laughs> Jesus Django uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's hilarious this little girl that plays the demon girl has one of the thickest southern accents ever 
So everyone is talking normal, and she's like, you like to touch little girls in their naughty places, don't you? You fucking pervert. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was the, well, ours were the first film generation, the 80s, where the films didn't vanish. Because yeah. in the 70s, before the VHS era, horror films, they'd be like, did you see it at the movies? No. Did you see it on TV? No. You're fucked. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um it's kind of funny to think about that, too, because, you know, that's part of the reason why I'm so obsessed with uh, something weird video is because, you know, just by as far as I know, the history of something weird video. And uh, I am friends with Lisa, uh, who uh, runs something weird video now that her husband passed away. Um, and, you know, I talk to her about it sometimes. And as far as I understand, uh Frank Henenlotter and Johnny Legend and Mike uh, discovered this cache of, of films that, like you said, you and I have talked about this before. A lot of times people would just send a movie across country from, you know, there'd be like one or two prints and they'd just send it across country from drive-in to drive-in and theater to theater. And then uh, it would just end up wherever it ended up and they never saw it again. And uh, as far as I understand, that's how something weird video came to be. There was a an old movie theater yeah, that was about found, to be torn down. Well, it was a warehouse. that. So I think it was, uh, what's his name, who owns the H.G. Lewis film. But he called him up. He said, Frank, you and Mike need to get over here. I found this warehouse. He's like, what's in it? Right. Enough film where you're going to be working for the next 23 years. <laughs> it, <Right>. was, it <laughs> turned out the warehouse was a film depository for between your area and the New York upper area. So if, like, you owned a drive-in and you'd want to rent a film, and you and they had it, you would call them and they would send out the movie. And then you would send it back to them at the same place. And then they would just put it on the racks again until the next person needed it. Yeah. I, uh, I actually talked to uh, Mike before he passed away. And I asked him if he still had any of those films on you know like original like 35 millimeter and he said he did have quite a few of them so i talked to one of the uh guys around here who owns a small independent theater it only has yeah. two screens and uh he usually shows one current art film like if there's you know some like hip art film that's making the circuit and uh you know, making the rounds at the film festivals and stuff and everyone's buzzing about it. He'll show that on one screen. Like that's where I first saw, you know, like happiness, Todd Salon's happiness, you know, that was making the festival circuit that year. So he showed that, but then the other screen, he'll usually just show whatever, you know, like he'll, uh, he'll ask people what they want him to bring. 
And it's one of the few theaters around here that still has 30, you know, has the capacity to show 35 millimeter. So I asked him if I could program a something weird video film festival there, if I could get Mike to loan me the, the canisters. And so we all agreed on it. And then when it came down to it, Mike said, well, I'm, I'll, I can send you the movies. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll mail them to you as long as you can mail them back. But it turned out that it was going to be like $130 each way to mail the movies because the canisters are so heavy. So I yeah. was just like, man, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know if we can make $260 off a one day something weird video film festival in central Maine, you know? <laughs> My sister coming into it from a date when she was about 14 or 15 mm-hmm. and she would say Steve would like this movie I'm like uh, yeah it's about this guy and his deformed brother and there's a scene where she beats on his where the deformed brother beats on his brother's penis like a bongo drum <laughs> I was like, what the hell was that? Oh, and she had one of the original basket case masks, and then it vanished. Oh, nice. It vanished, <laughs> sadly. I don't know what happened yeah. to it. I won't, yeah, I'm you sure know. You, I'm sure you don't. I'm sure you have no idea where it went. <laughs> uh, you know you would like that. Yeah, that's another thing I miss is when they would give out all of those little things to get your ass in the theater. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, I, that's one of those that randomly, if I barf bag from some old 70s horror movie or something, and it's only like eight bucks, I'll order one, you know. Even if it's not from, you know, of course, the ones from more obscure movies are a lot more expensive. But if I just see one from just any random horror movie from the 60s, 70s or whatever, I'll I'll order it for like eight or ten bucks just for fun, you know. Yeah. So, but well, yeah, uh, those are I fun. I got a two pack. Uh, the guy from Cinema Wasteland, he had found like a big box filled with uh the Freddy's Dead uh, 3D glasses, and I got two pairs of them because there were two glasses that the glasses made. One for the white audiences, which, uh, uh, what was that one with uh, Jim Belushi? Uh, Oh, yeah, you know, where he was like the con man who went in the rich guy's house. Oh, yeah, what was that movie called? But still, that was on there and another one. But then the second one, there was two black films that were coming out that year. And it was House Party and Deep Cover. (laughs) Neat. Uh, I probably would have just bought that one. Yeah. House Party and Deep Cover are two movies that I like. Jim Belushi's never done anything that I like. But I appreciate your enthusiasm as a collector for getting one of each. Uh, yeah. That happens to me a lot, well, too. Well, they were a dollar uh, a pop, so hey. Yeah, right? Abby gets irritated with me a lot because I'll go, like, uh, around this time of year, 
up here we have this um it's a small independent chain of record stores called Bull Moose and they have them in Maine, uh New Hampshire and Massachusetts. And so uh there's probably about 10 of them between the three states, but uh they all have super cool they have all that's where we get most of our cool toys and uh yeah. you know vinyl and and v, they have VHS that... tapes and stuff and uh but uh this time of year they always have something weird video they'll bring in like a whole shit ton of something weird video on DVD and they'll have a whole wall of it and they're only like 10 bucks a piece and they're mostly double and triple features you know so Is it, I'll go to uh, the first prince with the thick cases or the second prints with the recyclable thin cases. No, they're the ones with the yeah, they're the ones with the thick plastic cases. Yeah, those yeah. are worth a crap load. But they only but they only sell them for like ten bucks, which is what I try to tell yeah. Abby. So if I'll go there and spend find, like. find uh, angels with Vincent Savary at the something weird place, I'll 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 make it worth your while. I'll keep an eye out. But like I said, yeah. I'll always go there. This, this, this time of year, I always go there, and they'll have like, you know, 20-something weird v, uh, DVDs on the wall, and I'll buy one of each, and I'll come home with, you know, $200 worth of something weird. And Abby's like, how many more something weird videos do you need before you're satisfied? And I'm like, I need to collect them all like they're motherfucking Pokemon. I got to have every something weird video ever, what, preferably yeah. on VHS. What, yeah. What is this satisfied word? This <laughs> makes it so good. But, yeah, it's getting closer to Halloween, and it's like 13 minutes to go. So what, what are you doing in, uh, let's see, Friday, Saturday, three days. God damn. Three days. Yes. Uh, well, uh, Vicki Love and I, from the, uh, she's been a frequent guest on our show, and she has her own podcast, Vicki Love Sci-Fi. Any frequent uh, flyers on our show know who she is. Uh, she and I are, are doing a, a separate podcast from uh, the one that Stephen and I do here on Wednesday nights. Uh, Stephen and I will still continue uh, entertaining you with our nonsense on Wednesday nights, and Vicky and I will entertain you with different nonsense on Sunday nights, uh, starting October 3rd. Uh, I'm still not sure exactly what time we're going to uh, broadcast, because we are living in two separate time zones that are three hours apart. But, uh... Yeah. uh, uh well, uh, it might uh, be Steve, good for you to uh, record it earlier and then put it out to play later that way yeah well, that, you can do it yeah. on vicky's time and you know yeah that's what we, that, that's what we were thinking of we were thinking of recording it uh using a program like anchor or something and then uh then we could release it later so um but yeah so uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a little different from what steven and i do and what vicky vicky uh generally focuses as the name of her show would indicate generally focuses on sci-fi uh films and and, uh, and books 
and, and books and things. Yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah. Stephen and I generally talk about horror and exploitation films on our show, as well as yeah. uh, comedy and whatever, whatever, uh, whatever our tickles our fancy. But uh, Vicky yeah. and I, our show is, is going to be a little more, uh, it's going to be a little more expansive. We're not just, we, we, we probably won't talk about movies that much. Um, we're going to talk more about politics and, uh, and in literature and we're going to be interviewing some uh some artists and musicians and uh politicians and just kind of uh just trying out something a little new so uh you'll still get the same quality uh entertainment that you get from us on our independent uh on our different shows but uh she and i are just going to try something together and of course steven will be a guest a frequent guest who will call in yeah. and talk about stuff but too this so. sunday I will, because they got it scheduled, I was trying to get them to do it next Wednesday, but that's the day the grindhouse grind out. Uh, the entries are coming in, so we're going to have William Mahaffey with uh, the Knoxville Horror Fest on Saturday, and we'll talk everything about that with him. Nice. And next nice. Wednesday, and we're yeah. going to talk about uh, Nate's favorite subject, which I'm surprised he never really has talked about on the air. And that is a very Marijuana? 70s thing, <laughs> cryptozoology. Oh, yeah. We were planning on doing that show a few weeks ago, and then one or both of us got no, sick, and I we was, had to uh, cancel Always planning on doing that Halloween month. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Oh, and uh, but that does remind me, you mentioned uh, that you're going to be uh, doing your interview uh, this weekend. Uh, when Vicki and I debut our, our show this Sunday, we're going to have uh, a comedian, podcaster, and political activist, uh, Brendan K. Williams, is going to be on the show. And uh, it's going to be interesting to talk to him. Uh, he's hard of hearing, which I find very intriguing for a comedian, because for me, the best part of being a comedian is being able to hear people laugh at your jokes. So I'm going to ask him some questions about that. Um, and uh, he, uh, his podcast, uh, he actually uh, interviews other people who have uh, various, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what the correct term is currently. Uh, disability, I think, is considered insulting now but they say differently abled but i think that no kind disability of differently too. able is uh anyone who calls me differently able i insult them <laughs> right <laughs> so he uh he does it he does interviews with other people he, he's a very successful comedian and he's been very successful uh as doing with politics and so he interviews other people who uh, have success in their field and have overcome obstacles that, that the rest of us kind of take for granted. So uh, yeah. we'll talk to him about all that stuff, you know, we'll talk to him about all that stuff. And so it should be an interesting and, interview. Uh, uh, it will be two weeks uh, of shows because we're going to be doing uh, the cryptozoology show, <laughs> which will be about aliens and big feet and Nessie and mm -hmm. Just all of that. 
Yes, I have spent a good portion of my life studying all of those things. So I I can probably uh, talk about anything for, oh, I got yeah. it all, man. Chupacabra. Ooh, baby. Yep. Why do you uh, keep bringing up well. Goat Sucker around me? Are you bringing up that video <laughs> I made again? Man, I told you not to mention my goat. Oh, never mind. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> Make notes yourself. Edit this out. Our parents are listening right now, and you're talking about sucking on goats. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, do, do you even have uh, the Time Life book that 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 series? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, holy cow, man! I, there's a whole section of my library that's just all, not just Time Life Mysteries of the Unknown, but I've got a bunch of other series from like Reader's Digest, all those very similar books um, that, you know, uh, and it's funny because when I was a kid, I subscribed to those books, but I would only have enough money from my allowance to pay for like the first few so, but I kept all those books uh, through the years, but now that I'm older and I actually have money, I've gone and collected the rest of the, the series, you know, so I have a bunch of that stuff, um, not just the stuff about cryptozoology, but like, you know, psychic, psychic stuff and, uh, you know, mysteries of the unknown about like, uh, not necessarily just crypto or ufo stuff but stuff about Losing who built the pyramids but, no. <laughs> yeah <laughs> right and how the fuck yeah. they disappear like three minutes later in a place that you already looked <laughs> sean tims and i uh we still we still uh whenever whenever there's a mystery when we're talking about something and neither one of us understands it we still go back to the time life thing Read the book. Remember that was yeah. the ad for those. <laughs> a woman. But is yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll <laughs> get into those next week and the week after that. Nate is going to pick a cryptozoology film for us to talk about, and oh, yeah. I can't got, wait to yeah. see what's going up. And I'm going to keep it a surprise up until the last moment. And me and Fred around the second weekend of the month are going to do a live watch of the WNUF Halloween special and the album itself, the WNUF Halloween special donation spectacular. Mm, yeah, I, I, I. I, I hope you bought me a copy of that for Christmas when you bought your copy because uh, it's sold out and I need a copy of that album. You know I do. Uh, you know I do. No, that thing, <laughs> that, that thing vanished. I mean, it was like one of those things. It's like I went there, told you, went back like 30 minutes later, sold out. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's the thing that happens to me a lot with like, uh, you know, a lot of these smaller uh, action figure companies do like limited runs where they'll only do like a hundred of a of some specialized action figure. And if you don't have your 
credit card information and your mailing address and your phone number and your email and everything in there the minute it goes on sale so you can hit enter you're not getting one you know yeah and of course we're going to do a story episode uh nate's going to do one as usual vicky probably will and we're going to have sam uh, Irving, the director of Elvira's Haunted Hills, uh, Backlash, Backlash 2. He's going to be doing a story. Uh, Mummy cool. and the Monkey, director Seb Go- Gro- Godin, Monster Nuts, and some more. Nice. Yeah, last yeah. year it was just me and you and Vicky, right? We were the We were the three last year, so. Well, I was worse yeah. last year. It's one of those where... I was like so sick. I'm like, I'm lucky. I got what I did done. And for how yeah, I, 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 I want to watch. Well, with you, we, we got to record it ahead because Halloween's on a Sunday. Halloween itself, the movie. Because right. I've never really done it. Cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, uh, we could do that uh, instead of Vicky and I doing our show on that Sunday. The three of us could just do that together. Watch Halloween well, no, together. We can uh, record it beforehand, make it easy, you know. Okay. Yeah. We'll figure it out. And yeah. everybody, Halloween month starts. And yes. enjoy Halloween. There's going to be another Joe Boss special. Uh, all the streaming channels are really going balls out this year. Indeed. And happy Halloween month start to everyone. And see you next week for The Nate Files. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Abby Thanks for listening. Abby is a scully. <laughs> yeah, she is. You're not even wrong about that. Uh, <laughs> I, I am definitely the Mulder to her Scully. Yeah. I'm like, did you see that in the sky out there right now? And she's like, that plane that's flying over our house? I'm like, you can't tell that's a plane. Technically, <laughs> that's a UFO. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening, folks. Stay safe. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go home. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go I hate to leave you, but I really must say, oh, good night, sweetheart. Good night. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go home. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go I hate to leave you. I Baby, I just can't get right 
Oh, good night, sweetheart. Good night. 